Welcome back, dear listeners, to the Dish with Dina podcast. I am so happy to have you join us again today. My guest is Miguel Alamar. Miguel and I dish about family food memories, both in our childhood kitchens and at our local department stores back in the day. Miguel is a certified strength coach, personal trainer, and entrepreneur who loves all things science. So sit back, enjoy the conversation, and let's dish. Welcome, Miguel Alomar, to the Dish with Dina podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me on here. How are you doing today? My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I'm doing really well. Uh, So I always like to start these discussions with sharing a little bit of our backstory. How did we come to meet each other? Do you remember? I do, actually. I do. Um, While I was, I I believe it was my senior year at Lehman, uh, Dr. Boyer had sent out an email um, kind of on your behalf, soliciting inter- mm. interns. And I think we, we, we connected via email and then um, we, we kind of just, I, I just remember kind of just hitting it off right away. Um, especially after I met you, we had so many like things in common. We're close to similar age and just like our background and, and our passion for food. And so that's kind of how we, we started working together. Yeah. So many moons ago. That was, I think at this point, four years ago or so. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. Yep. That's crazy how time flies like that. It is. It is. It is. You blink. (laughs) You blink and it's gone. And I really do love the fact that I think, you know, we both took a chance on uh, pursuing certain things in later in life and ending up being able to then meet people who are now still in our lives, which is lovely. I love that. Yes. Uh, So share with us a little bit about some of your earliest food memories, because I like going kind of even further back in time, not that far back, because I don't think you're as old as I am, but yes, (laughs) back in time (laughs) of your upbringing, cultural, like whatever your heritage was, any traditions that you remember. And then from there, we'll, you know, I'll ask you some other things about how you got to where you are now, but what are some things that you remember when you first had food memories what are some of those things yeah sure um so you know being hispanic food has always been like a part of my life you know in terms of you know family gatherings and and you know just celebrations and even just like on a you know on a day-to-day basis like you know both my my mom and my grandmother would kind of keep the kids involved so for example if i was visiting grandma i remember her like uh, you know, breaking out the rice, putting it in this big bowl, and then having me like pick out like any anything that wasn't rice that was in it, <laughs> because because back in those days things weren't as refined as they are now, right? So you'd find you know an odd like little husk or like a little a black thing, an unidentified piece of dirt, you know. <laughs> so I remember helping her in the kitchen, and that was like my job. Um, or even just like, you know, pre-greasing a pan, things like that. So I just, I remember always kind of being the little helper in the kitchen, if you will, with, with grandma and also with mom. Um, and then also for some reason, something that's sticking out in my memory, which I always, which I actually, um, talk about with my kids is that my mom and my grandmother were always, um, really close to each other. And this is, and and this is my grandmother from my father's side. Mm. And, um, I remember every weekend, We'd go to, uh, in my neighborhood, 181st Street. I live in Washington Heights in, in New York City. And 
181st Street is like the main shopping district, if you will. Like all the stores kind of branch off from 181st, maybe one or two blocks north and, north and south of there. And um, so, you know, every Saturday we'd go out and, you know, we obviously we I'd, I'd ask for things like pizza or McDonald's or Kentucky Fried Chicken and whatnot. And I remember snacking on stuff. But the one thing that would the, the, the one thing that would always end the day was this tradition where my mom and my grandmother would go to this bakery in the neighborhood and they'd get this like specific type of bread, um, come home, make coffee. And then it's like we'd have this bread, like bread and butter with like coffee. And it sounds so simple, but it was so delicious. It's so tasty. Like I still remember it. And it's a tradition that I've kind of carried on to now. I mean, obviously it's not because we go shopping on 181st, mm-hmm. but, you know, every couple of weekends, like I'll go out early, I'll get this bread, I'll bring it back. And it's something I'll sit down and I'll do with my mom, and my kids, and my wife. And we'll just reminisce about, you know, these traditions and how we used to do that back in the days and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, that's just, that's, that's just one random memory that I have uh, surrounding food. I have so much to add to that because I have a lot of things that kind of resonated with me. What country does your family come from? Yeah, mom, Dominican Republic. DR, okay. And yeah, you've visited yeah, there as well. I have, I have. And actually, um, so I, I don't want to like get off topic, but another one mm-hmm. memory, we're going we're gonna to fast forward a few years and we're going to touch a bunch of different things that might cause us to go on another tangent. <laughs> but I'm going to share this one with you because you're asking me about DR and food. So mm-hmm. here's, an interest, here's an interesting one for you. So when I was a teenager, um, there was a time period that I did not enjoy eating red meat like at all. It was so freaking disgusting. Like I would get sirloin steak in my neighborhood. We'd cook it, and it would. It's 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 Dina. It's the really weirdest thing. It had it would have this like green tint to it. Mm. Um, I don't know what the hell it was. It almost looked like like uh like a reptile almost. (laughs) And I'm not saying the whole steak, but just parts of it. And no matter where I was, I, I, I distinctly remember that no matter where I would buy meat from, every once in a while, it would have this thing. And I'd speak to the butcher. It got to the point where i speak to the butcher. I'm like, what is this? He's like, no, that's a preservative, something, another, whatever story, right? Point of the story. I was not enjoying red meat. Not my jam. Stopped eating it. I go to DR, and my mom shows me this, like, really red you know bloody thing i know it sounds gross but it was it looked healthy and and she was like do you know do you want to try this i was like ah why not i'll try it and i ended up having it and i loved it it you know i digested it well and i was like oh great i'm over my aversion to red meat mm-hmm. come back to the states surely enough <laughs> i have red meat same thing again it doesn't sit well i didn't enjoy it blah 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 i didn't know it at the time but the difference was that as we all know, the conventional meat here in the United States, they feed their cows corn. Right. D- Dominican Republic, they do not feed the cows corn. They're just grass-fed. Like, grass-fed is not this thing. Grass-fed is not this, like, premium thing where you pay extra money for in Dominican Republic. That's just how it is. You know, like, you ask people over there, oh, do you feed the cows um, corn? And they're like, no, we feed the chickens corn. Grass, um, cows are made to eat grass. And so, I, again, I didn't know this at the time. I discovered it a few years later, funny enough, working with a nutritionist. And then that's when the light bulb went off. I was like, I was like, oh, so that's maybe why I wasn't enjoying it the same, blah, blah, blah. And this was like probably, I want to say in the late 90s, give or take. Um, 
And so all this to say, that's one of the, that's one of the, that's another event, a nutritional event that got me really curious about food and digging deeper into, you know, how food is sourced, um, the quality of the food that we eat, et cetera, et cetera. It got me turned on to like the difference between a cookie that's processed and a cookie you make yourself at home. Right. And all these other themes surrounding food. So, yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. That's such a great point. All right. So from top to bottom, all the things I've been scribbling down as you're talking, I'm going to cool. share with you a couple of things. Yeah. The thing that struck me first was picking out stuff from the rice. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. My mom used to make me do the same thing with lentils. Oh, wow. There were some random rocks in there and you know, whatever we had to like sift through, we would soak them and drain them and rinse them and soak them and drain them and pick things out. So I totally, as soon as you said that, I was yes. like, oh my gosh, I've done that too. So far. Yes, yes. the other thing too, is the grandma mom connection. I had the same, well, I had a maternal grandmother and my mom living in the same house. So oh, wow. my whole, yeah, my whole family lived upstairs and downstairs from my grandma and my grandpa. So I was also integrated into the kitchen and learned how to make uh, pasta from scratch or nice. help them pick the tomatoes from the backyard garden. And then as I was thinking of that, too, I was thinking, you know, the backyard garden tomatoes are so much juicier and fresher tasting than yeah. some of the things that I would remember getting from the supermarket, which felt kind of um, mealy and not as flavorful in that way. And a lot of the people that I've spoken to who are from other countries, and I mean, that's kind of what I like about having this discussion with so many people in this podcast, is that the, uh, the quality of the food supply in other countries really is so different than America. Yeah. And I, I don't feel right saying that we do something to make it less uh, quality here on purpose, but I definitely think there's something in the food system mm -hmm. that just changes the whole structure and feeling. And, yeah. um, and I think you'll agree with this too. Like, you know, sometimes not to be too woo woo with this stuff, but what an <laughs> animal, what an animal eats and how your plants are grown. And then when we ingest it as humans, I think, you know, we suffer the consequences or, mm -hmm the benefits from that. Mm -hmm. And um, I really liked that take on this. So I appreciate you kind of going off on that tangent and talking <laughs> about that. And the other thing that I remember too, with you were saying 181st street for yeah. us, it was Patterson, New Jersey. Nice. Yeah. And we were always going into the markets there and I would go with my grandma sometimes and we'd make these ventures into, uh, I don't know if they exist anymore, but Woolworths, we would go yes. into Woolworths. <laughs> oh my God. We had a Woolworth on 181st in St. Nicholas. Yes. Yes. And Did she you would have take, a cafeteria? That's exactly what I was getting at. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She would sit me down and we would have <laughs> our little, whatever at the time it was like a hot dog and a soda or something. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Whatever the special was. It really felt like a treat because, oh you know, like God, you said, too, yes. we were used to eating and making things at home and so to venture out and to get like quote unquote fast food or cafeteria food right. it was such a treat and also to spend time with our family members like totally. you know she's long gone now but i will never forget those memories same same I love same. it and it's funny because um i you know as you're saying these things it's, i just find it funny how i can remember texture and flavor and like smells because one thing that sticks out now that you mentioned Woolworth yeah I remember my dad used to take me there sometimes when like you know when we'd have half a day or you'd have the random day off right mom was off working in the factory and dad you know mm -hmm. stayed home with me and um I remember going to Woolworth and having a burger and the, the thing that stood out to me was that the burger from Woolworth 
tasted more like a burger from home almost because I, I, I guess back then, you know, things weren't as commercially processed mm. as they are now, right? Um, and, and the funny thing is that they used to serve it with, with chips, with like, um, with like ridges. Uh, yes. You know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I just, that like sticks out in my memory, like the food at Woolworth was freaking good. Like <laughs> really good food, you know, like their fried chicken rivaled Kentucky fried chicken. Like I remember this, you know? And for anyone who's listening, well, I, what would Woolworth be comparable to? Like a Kmart or something, yeah, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. I say like a Kmart, uh, yeah, because they just sold they just sold almost everything, man. They really did. It was yeah. a department store. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It was like Kmart. you had socks and jewelry and right, exactly. Yeah, Kmart, Coles, kind of maybe a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, it was awesome. An amazing store. Oh my gosh! Yes, well, I'm going down memory lane here. Thank you. <laughs> so let's let's take it from there. So tell me a little bit more about as you got older as you started getting into school or you know whatever it was that was kind of um lighting that fire under you about following yeah. nutrition and understanding a little bit more what how what took you in that direction well you know it, it it ties back to like my body composition and the way I saw myself from a young age um I didn't have like image issues per se within Spanish culture right and within many cultures I think if you are on the leaner side, if you're if you're lean, if you're thin, parents and family are always saying things like, "Oh, um, you know, we need to fatten you up. You know, you need mm-hmm. to you need to gain some weight." And the opposite is also true. Obviously, if you're a little overweight, like, "Oh, you know, you need to eat less junk." Blah blah blah. So in my case, I was always on the lean side, and it's something that just got into my psyche that I needed to gain weight. So as a kid. You know, I, first of all, I'm a I'm an eater. I'm a I'm a foodie. I'm mm-hmm. an eater. I like to eat, and this is this is something that I've come to terms with as an adult. Because I think back, I mean, the the way I eat now is like night and day difference from the way I ate as a as a young adult, as a teen, and even and even as a kid. However, the one thing that remains the same is that I eat often. And I eat a lot. And when I say I eat a lot, I'm not saying I I, I binge and I overeat. Mm-hmm. I just mean that I require like, you know, a substantial amount of food in order to feel, you know, satiety and to feel full and to feel and to feel good. And I can do the mm-hmm. whole eat to 80 percent. But I'm the point is, I'm still going to eat a lot. So with that said, um, with that said, as a kid, I remember this 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 image thing being drilled into my head about. I was lean and I need to eat more and I need to do things to gain weight. So there were all kinds of weird sh- In the pharmacies, they used to sell this thing called the combination and in, in, in Spanish it's called la combinación uh, for any Spanish, Hispanics who might be listening to this. <laughs> and it was like, and until this day, I don't know what it was, but it was these three pills that you would take, um, which were supposedly to help you gain weight. There was a supplement, I'm putting quotes in my in, up in the air. There was a supplement mm-hmm. from Dominican Republic called Anabole, which is which is basically a freaking steroid in a pill. Right. That kids, yeah, which kids which kids used to take. So I remember as a kid, I tried the anabole once because it came from the arts, so it was hard to get. And no, I didn't gain weight. I tried the com- the combination, I didn't gain weight. It's like no matter what I did, no matter mm. how much I ate, I was not able to gain weight. So this was my first foray into nutrition and 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 you know and 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 how to address food and how I showed up with food. As a, as a teen, let's say. Fast forward into my 20s, 
now I got serious about things because now I'm starting to get skinny fat, right? So I'm like lean, but you know, I'm getting a little pudgy around the midsection. <laughs> you know, my, my thighs are getting a little bit bigger. I was like, this is not a cool look for me. I gotta, I gotta do something about this. <laughs> so I start going to the gym. So I hire a trainer and I start going to the gym. I start reading more. By now, the internet is starting to pick up some steam as well. Not much health information out there, but the few sites that were out there were pretty decent. And I was actually pretty lucky because there was this one site. Um, I still remember the URL. It was abcbodybuilding.com. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So and funny. these guys, and it's and no, and what's funnier is that this guy, it was like this guy, his brother, and I think his best friend, right? Um, I think his name was Jacob Wilson. And I think he's like a PhD now. He's I think he's big in that world. I'm not sure. But um, but the point is that I was really lucky because on this site at the time, these guys were, I guess, in school for kinesiology. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they went into the exercise um, side of things, but they also spoke about nutrition. And no matter what they no matter what they posted, no matter what um, article they wrote, they would always include citations. I had I was not familiar with citations. I didn't know what the hell these little numbers were linking right. back to these articles, right? I had no idea what the hell PubMed was. And so I got introduced to that really, really early on. And it helped me because it made me become a little bit more critical about the sources of information that I was reading. Because when I saw stuff that didn't have citations, I was emailing the people like, hey, where's where your citations? Like, where are you getting this information from? You know? And they brought me back like, like, what the fuck? Who are you? Like, why are you asking? You know what I mean? And so that helped me immensely because now like my bar is set a little bit higher, right? Um, so anyway, so 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 I started learning more about nutrition and that kind of wet my appetite. Now I'm learning what protein is, what carbohydrate is, because up until then. Food was just food. I had no idea about any of this stuff, you know? And so that's kind of how my journey into into nutrition kind of started. It was, it was, it was, it was around body image and not wanting to be skinny and wanting to gain weight. And then, you know, that morphed into learning the difference between, you know, lean body mass versus fat body mass, how we eat can kind of influence that, so on and so forth. Oh my gosh, Miguel, I'm cracking up because first of all, I'm doing a fact check on you and for sure, <laughs> there was, there, I'm like, as you're talking, I'm typing ABC bodybuilding. Okay, yeah. so I came across a forum yeah. that they did shut down, but yeah. uh, Wilson, is that who you said? Yeah, yeah, Jacob yeah. Wilson, yep. Yeah, Will, yep, so you have a good memory. He runs, currently, he runs a lab or at least according to this forum. No way, found, you see? Yeah, That's- he runs a lab and he helps you with your form and your okay. whatever your needs are. But oh, cool. I think that's so interesting because I had a couple of um, notes on here as you were talking about now that we know better, we do better, you and I. Like, we know about the science of things. We understand about credentialing. We understand that people, you know, it's helpful if they are qualified to speak on things. And we know what to look for. But back in the day, you know, I was reading, whatever, Seventeen Magazine, and I was constantly on some, like, restrictive diet of black coffee and toast because, you know, I didn't want to be – uh, I didn't want to be unfit looking. And then the thing about what you were saying too, different cultural approaches and beliefs, when I teach my students and also as we're learning, especially in these days too, we're learning about cultural sensitivities. You don't want to necessarily disrespect anyone's cultural beliefs or or disqualify their like homeopathic remedies to things like you were saying with the combination pills and stuff. I don't know if that was some herbal thing that they put together or an actual pharmaceutical, but 
it feels sometimes like it, it might not have been, or I should say, I don't want to use this word incorrectly, but like it, it feels unsubstantiated that they were making you worry that you were too skinny and you needed to be put on. Maybe that's just how your body was doing at the right, time. Right, exactly, totally. So there were no health ramifications going on where you were, right? Like you weren't going to the doctor and no, they weren't saying no, like nothing. you're malnourished. Right, nope, nope, nope. And then, and then the other thing I didn't mention was that at the same time, um, I'm watching grandma, you know, from, from young age, inject herself with insulin because she had, right. she had type two diabetes. Um, my dad also had type two diabetes, but he refused to, to use mm. insulin. So he was controlling it with oral medications, which I don't know what the heck he was taking at that time. But, mm -hmm. um, and then in retrospect, I look back and, you know, I realized that their type two diabetes was probably, uh, diet induced, like it, they could have, yeah, it was totally mm -hmm. diet related. They could have totally controlled that, you know, by changing their lifestyle, changing their eating, and that's another thing that kind of influenced um, my interest in nutrition and especially pursuing this as a career later on in life. You know, because I lost my grandmother when I was 22, and my dad passed away two months later. So okay. unrelated, you know, totally unrelated mm -hmm. things, but it was um, for grandma. It was health related. For dad, it was just a freak thing where he was abroad had walking pneumonia that went undiagnosed for a week and whatever, but, but mm -hmm. neither here nor there. But the point is, you know, losing them at such a young age had such an impact um, on how I looked at things. And I know that was another huge influencer in, you know, in kind of getting into this field as well. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've talked about this before on this on this podcast about there are definitely uh, needs and requirements for conventional medicine. People shouldn't necessarily forego if they need to be on some pills, even if it's like short term while they're also trying to maybe experiment with food modifications or um, in the case of, you know, something kind of quote unquote simple like hypertension that you know right. it could be just moving around stress factors are involved in that yep. while you're also maybe on some blood pressure lowering medications totally. and then right and you can talk to your doctor about getting off those things right. but i think some of the old school folks like my mom and dad were very anti-doctor yeah and uh, that's actually what ended up my, my father passed away a couple of years ago, as I think you might know, but my yeah. father passed away a couple of years ago because he kind of refused to go get checked for a lot of these like um, complications that were happening to him in the last couple of years. And so he ended up having like many, many strokes and just refused to go to the doctor. So had he maybe gotten treated for something like that, he right. would have perhaps extended his life. Now in my mother's case, she's, and she knows that I speak about her on this episode, on these podcasts as well. Okay. She's kind of a hot mess. <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> she's got a lot of stuff going on, but she is a trooper, man. She is a trooper. And now that I'm kind of in this field and able to walk alongside of her or even go to the doctor's appointments with her and help her with understanding the questions to ask and getting her more educated on what those conditions mean and why she can or cannot eat certain things because of either the medicines she's on or whatever her illness is. Um, she's getting a little savvier now too in her older age, but back then she didn't know. She didn't know that having blood pressure issues was going to cause her to have kidney issues right. and that kidney issues was going to cause her to have, you know, gout all the time. And that, um, all of these things are interrelated. And so unfortunately too, which I'm sure you and I will talk about this as well, the nutrition world, like the true nutrition professionals of the world, unless we're actually integrated into a position in a clinical setting, uh, we don't really get valued that much because food is somewhat yeah. universal. It's and second, so it's a second thought. 
Yeah. And so we're really, we should be considered as specialists or allied health professionals that can be referred to. But a lot of times, again, with all due respect to doctors, I I tend to try not to bash them on here, but they only know what they know. And even if they get nutrition, um, you know, some nutrition experience, they shouldn't have to be the nutrition specialist. That's fine. Right. And my joke has always been like, I promise not to perform open heart surgery. If you, (laughs) if you, Dr. So-and-so, if you promise not to discuss food and nutrition modifications with your patients, right? Like sometimes handing somebody a a list of foods to avoid or telling them they need to lose weight or telling them uh, to, you know, nowadays I've actually heard doctors telling people to go on a keto diet and I'm like, you've got to be really careful with stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I find it somewhat irresponsible. And also, again, it feels like they're undervaluing those of us who have credentials in that field and can, uh, can, can pick up where they, where they leave off. So that's one of my goals is to make sure I'm establishing these collaborative, you know, partnerships with some people in the health and wellness professional arena to make sure that we have that interdisciplinary team approach, because some people need a little bit more guidance and to understand like, Hey, that those meds from the old country might be doing more harm than good. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and it's something you mentioned, which is, um, you know, RDs and nutritionists are like an afterthought. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's true. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Unfortunately, um, it's within the medical community, at least, it's not really valued, I feel. Um, it's Like I said, it's, we're, we're just an afterthought. And it's because medicine is very reactive, whereas nutrition is preventative. Right. And that's just also the state of our kind of medical system in general, healthcare. right? Yep. Yeah, our our healthcare system is We make money. Right, right. And then, you know, and, and, and to be fair, because I have a few, you know, I have a few friends who are MDs, and to be fair, from the doctor's perspective, you have this patient in front of you whose health is deteriorating. And for a lot of doctors, it's not it's not necessarily that they want to go to the medication first and forego nutrition or forego lifestyle changes. It's right. just that, you know, in their general experience, when they try to have someone follow the lifestyle change or the nutrition change, they just won't do it. And so their health deteriorates even more over time. And when, right. you ha- and when you're only seeing a patient once every couple of months, you know, they, they want to kind of cut this disease state off at the past and just put them on the medication. So I totally get that part of things, too. But I think that it's I think it's possible to to meet in the middle and maybe mm-hmm. like what you and like what you just mentioned, you know, create, you know, establish some type of relationship where you do both. Like, yes, put them on the medication, but also try to change their lifestyle, try to change their nutrition as well. It's not it doesn't have to be this, you know, dichotomous one or another kind of thing, you yeah. know, so, yeah. Yeah. And I think you'll agree with me too about compliance, patient compliance too. It's easier sometimes to do that quick fix, that, Bingo. that magical pill Bingo. versus changing your behaviors over things. Yes, totally. Totally. That takes a lot more time and energy and effort. And also that's more psychological too. Like what are the things that are holding you back? What are the barriers, the challenges? You have a lot more to kind of um, undergo and undoing or yes. establishing new routines. So Talk to me a little bit about what a current day in the life of you is right now. What are you pursuing? What's, oh you know, a typical goodness. day? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Bad time to ask that question. Because I know. It's insane. Oh, my goodness. Okay. 
<laughs> what, well, you want to talk about an ideal day in the life of you? What I mean, you no, it's fine. Going? It's fine. It's just that things are just so crazy. I'm just like, I feel like I'm so all over the place right now that it's just yeah. crazy. But no, no, um, I'll give you a general day. So um, I start my day. Usually I'm up by like, say, 637. Depend- it really depends on the day. Um, I take I I, uh, I take my daughter to school every once in a while. I don't really have time that often because I have to be seeing clients. Mm-hmm. And I have to see clients in the morning. Um, so first I'll tell you what I'm doing and then I'll tell you what the day is like, right? Okay. So I do sports nutrition and I do um, strength coaching, and which is just like a step up. I like to think it's a step above a trainer, nothing against personal trainers out there. Sure. Um, it's just, and, and if I could describe the difference, the difference between a strength coach and a personal trainer is that it's, it's really, to me, it's, it's the level of education. A personal trainer can become a personal trainer by studying a book, taking an exam, and getting a certification. Strength mm-hmm. coach is similar because there are books and certifications for strength coaches as well, but it usually involves um, some type of academic background in the field. And even if it doesn't, um, you can't really become a certified strength coach without a four-year degree. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit more involved. Your your knowledge is going to be more, um, how do I say, you'll be able to plan uh, tr- strength training a l- in a little bit of more of a long-term than a short-term. And again, not to say that a personal trainer can't right. plan long-term, but it's just a little bit more detailed, right? You're specializing a little bit more. So with that said, um, I'm working out of this place called S10, which is down in the West Village. And I've got some clients that I see out of there. I also do their nutrition. So I'm in charge of their nutrition program. So I help members um, kind of, you know, get get their habits going, you know, health coaching, et cetera. And I also have my own business as well where I do the same. So it's kind of, it's, it's kind of funny because everything that I do in terms of coaching, um, be it on the floor for exercise or be it for nutrition for S10, I also do for myself in a private business. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing now. So this is what my day looks like. First thing in the morning, I wake up, depending on the day of the week, I'll have some private clients that I go coach in Riverdale. Then I'll hustle down to S10, see my in-person clients there throughout the day. I try to end my day by mid-afternoon over there so that I can then come home and work on my business stuff. And that's usually by like, let's say three or four. And then I'm working straight to like seven or eight. And then, uh, and then I hang with the family, go to bed, wash, rinse, repeat. <laughs> That's Monday to Friday. Weekends, I'm, I'm working on the business, trying to you know, move certain initiatives forward. Um, I'm also collaborating with, uh, with this boxing apparel company right now as well. I'm helping them out with a few things. And um, you know, since, ever since things started moving along in New York City, after restrictions got lifted three weeks ago, I'm very right. fortunate and thankful that things have picked up for me. Um, so I'm not going to complain about the level of busy that I have, that I have right now because I don't know how long it's going to last. But yeah, that's the so thing. Are you actually in? Like, are you actually in a studio now? Like, you can go back on site with? Oh yeah, face to face. Yes, yes, we're face to face, just one on one. We have capacity to have about 75 people on the floor at the same time. But even before mm. this, we would. It's very, it's very private, very boutique. So they would never really be more than like say 20 to maybe 25 people on the floor at a time. Um, mm-hmm. But now with, with, you know, taking into consideration, you know, all, you know, trying to prevent the spread of, of germs, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. we are limiting it to about 10 to maybe 12 people at a time, which is like 
a fraction of what we could be doing, but we want to keep everyone safe. We want to keep ourselves healthy. And so there are a couple of limitations there. So it's, 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 it's back to one-on-one, but albeit at a much lower volume, it's like half the amount of people that were there before. Understood. And as my conversations with some other uh, people who do have their hand in a bunch of different things. We're very overachievy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes very We're our type so. face. So some so. of the conversations I've had in the past with um, fellow entrepreneurs, business pursuits, et cetera, how are you taking care of your own health? Are you leading by example? Have there been things that are falling off of your priorities or do you have what I tend to call like non-negotiables as far as your daily routine? Totally. I'm so glad you asked that because it's something that's actually at the forefront of my mind right now, because prior to my, you know, going back into the into the space three weeks ago, I, you know, from May, I can honestly say that from May up until the beginning of September, I was active like pretty much seven days a week, not like extreme, but like I was strength training three days a week. I was doing some type of conditioning three days a week. And then one day a week, I was taking like a, like a walk where I would also like climb a whole bunch of stairs. Like there's just like this long staircase um, in my neighborhood that I can kind of go up and down for exercise. So I was pretty much moving every day. Um, Ever since having started going back to the gym and moving around more, now my non-negotiable is I need to strength train no less than three days a week, but then the conditioning has kind of fallen off. So I'm not, I'm not running three times a week anymore. So like now it's like maybe once or twice. Um, I'm, I am fortunate that I do have a bike at home, but sometimes I don't even have time for that, but I'm, but I'm active though. At least I'm moving around. So that's kind of changed. Um, but I'd like to get it back to my pre, you know, my, my COVID health, if you will. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, would yeah. would you think, is it fair to say then for anybody out there who is struggling to try to maintain, because I do joke a lot of times, it feels like a flipping full-time job to it, keep everything yes, high yes. and tight. Yes, yes. So and, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what I tell my clients, okay? Um, you have to look at it kind of as a, like a ladder, right? So at the, at the very top of the ladder, you have your ideal plan for your ideal quote-unquote workout, right? So that might look like, you know, today's the day I'm going to lift some weights. Today's the day I'm going to do some body weight stuff at home. Or today's the day I'm going to go for a run, right? That's level one. If life happens and you no longer have the time or energy to do plan A, then we have to go one rung down and we have to go to plan B. What could that look like? That could look like maybe half of the volume of whatever you had planned. So maybe if you if you plan to run for 30 minutes, go run for 15. If mm-hmm. you plan to do a total body workout, maybe just do upper body or maybe just do lower body, but just but still try to get something in. And if that's too much, let's have another fallback. Let's go to plan C. Can mm-hmm. you stretch? Can you do a warm up for 15 minutes at home? Heck, can you just take a walk for 20 minutes, right? The point is I I really strongly feel that we can always do something, even if it's just 10 minutes. And those 10 minutes are going to be better than saying, oh, you know what? I can't get this 30 minutes in. I'll just do it tomorrow. Because you know what happens? Tomorrow comes, life happens again, and you keep pushing it more and more and more. And meanwhile, if you would have just done done those 10 minutes, that's 10 minutes more than what you you were going to do anyway, right? And then also, um, one thing that I'm really trying to kind of grasp right now one thing that's kind of clicked in my brain is that I used to think to myself in terms of um I need to motivate myself to take action right I need to I need to I need to like fire myself up so I could take action on 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 this thing and what I've realized is is that I've actually had it 
had it wrong. It was it's actually the other way around. By taking action, you will feel motivated because when you take an action, no matter how small, it feels really good to accomplish something. And so mm -hmm. that in turn is going to drive the motivation. So this is something that I also tell my clients. This is why those 10 minutes are, will make such a difference because now it'll be the next day and you think back to yesterday and you think like, wow, you know what? I did those 10 minutes. Let me do another 10 minutes a day. And next thing you know, you know, it might be 20 minutes, it might be 30 minutes. And all of a sudden now you're finding the time, you're finding the energy because you've got some momentum going. Oh, gosh, I love that message. And <clears throat> it reminds me a little bit of um, I had my friend and fellow dietitian Sonia Ahuja was on my podcast, and she was talking similar about that plan ABC type of structure, because she's a very it's it's by nature, she likes working out and being physically fit. But nice. she's getting to the point where she's kind of honoring exactly what you said, schedule, yeah. uh, stamina, energy levels. And so she'll just pick and choose like today's a plan B day or today's plan A day. That's and <clears throat> Also, excuse me, also what you said, too, about um, every little bit counts. So there are times where I have said this before. I'm it's not in my nature to feel motivated to be physically uh, fit or have physical activity come naturally to me. But that positive feedback, like I enjoy doing it. Right, and so right. if I'm sitting around just kind of watching myself scrolling endlessly on <laughs> screens or, yeah. or, you know, binge watching the fifth season of something. I'll sometimes say to myself, well, I could also just be doing squats right now too. Like that's, I can right. still watch TV and I can still be doing something or I could take the, uh, the phone with me if I'm on a treadmill and I could scroll, like I could do two things. It's not that big of a deal. So try to just accomplish something to make sure that I'm feeling fit because physical activity, even though I'm not uh, trained in that, that scope, right. That's out of sight of my scope of practice. There is some overall guidance, general guidance for normal, healthy adults to get totally. some sort of movement every single day. So it doesn't have to be 30 or 60 minutes in a row. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it could be exactly. something. And nowadays too, with like high intensity interval training or what is it? Pylometrics or whatever those yeah, are. Like you get yeah. these, right. These like seven minute bursts of just <laughs> kind of messing with your muscles. And it feels yep. like you've accomplished so much in such a short exactly. amount of time. Right. So I think those, you know, I don't want to call them excuses. They could be legit reasons why people don't necessarily incorporate that, but it really does. I mean, there's food, food and nutrition absolutely plays a role, like you said before. And, but so does physical activity. So does sleep. Yep. So does self-care and yep. mental health. And so that kind of brings me along another question too, tying into that. What do you do to kind of, because so much is on your plate, because you are so active and ambitious, what do you do to decompress? Yeah, totally. Great question. Um, one thing I'm super consistent with is meditation. Mm. Um, I meditate twice a day. Sometimes it's only once, but generally speaking, I meditate twice a day. So that helps keep me grounded, keeps me patient. Um, but then in addition to that, my my happy place is home mm. with my with my kids and my wife. And I just like being with family. And that's like that's what keeps me grounded. So anytime I have free time, just sitting around talking with my kids, catching up with them, helping them and whatnot, that that's my happy place. That's that's kind of what keeps me keeps me grounded. And then in, in addition to that, um, I make sure to take a walk at least, you know, three or four times a week. There's mm. something about walking among nature even if it's just you know choosing a tree-lined avenue and walking back and forth and being among the trees there's something about that that's just like very zen you know like yeah. it just it helps you unplug you know you're out there you're breathing you're walking you're moving around and, and you come back and your brain is just like clear 
you know. So those are some of the things. And then and then also, believe it or not, exercise as well. Exercise is a really good stress relief. Um, yes. Yeah. And it's and it's and my, my son, my son makes me laugh because before I'll train sometimes at home, I'm like, oh, my God, I have no energy for this. <laughs> I don't want to do this. And my son always tells me, yeah, dad. But, you know, as soon as you finish, you're going to be like, "Woo, this was great. <laughs> I feel good. You know, and it's and you know what? It's true. There's yet to be a day where I felt like total crap exercise and then said I still feel like total crap afterwards. Like I, I always feel better on the on the back end than I do on the front end so that's why I'll keep doing it <laughs> yeah and I that's a great that's a great thing too like in the sense of the like biochemically right the mm-hmm. serotonin or what is going on there dopamine yeah, rushes do- and yes. right yes. and you're getting those endorphins going totally. and that and that can also help with a better quality sleep as well and keep your mind rested as well like stress release as yeah. well so yeah that's totally. that is the gift that keeps on giving yes and then also you know so in school um, you know, I, I, I majored in both dietetics and nutrition and exercise science. Mm-hmm. And, and throughout the years, I've, I've taken, I usually do, up until last year, I was really doing at least, I would say, three and up to five, sometimes even six different courses related to nutrition, related to exercise science, related to biochemistry, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm always doing continuing ed. And the one thing that I can say that I always tell people is that with, you know, with, with all these different disciplines, the one thing that I find that they all have in common is that the human body thrives under pressure. And, the, and I feel really strongly that exercise and movement is the fountain of youth. You know, yeah. I, I used to joke and say, oh, I want to retire when I'm 62. I'm just going to take it easy and do nothing. Now I'm like, you know what? I'm going to retire with the day I die. Like, obviously, as you get older, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't plan on being a workaholic, you know, to yeah. the day I die. But I don't think I'll ever stop working. I don't think I'll ever stop moving because I know that's what's going to help me thrive. That's what's going to keep me healthy. And that's what's going to keep me alive. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, well, I mean, nowadays we see people who are living until 117 years old. Yes. And I sometimes joke like at my age, I'm 51 now. I'm like, I'm tired now. <laughs> if I can stay on this planet another 50 years, I, I'm exhausted yeah. now, yeah, I know but, yeah. but I want to be actively involved. I want to do something. I want, even if it's just, you know, mentoring or volunteer work or something like, I don't want mm-hmm. to just stay home and stare into space or be, um, you know, in that way that I hope knock on wood, nothing happens to me, structurally speaking, right. that will prevent me from doing those things. Right. Um, and so for somebody who does not necessarily find in uh, the initiation of getting up and moving around, I really do feel like I need to make that a priority so that, um, well, as you know, and for those listeners out there who might not, you know, as we age, we're more at risk for falls and fractures and breaking things and so on. And so uh, strength training is helpful, you know, moving around, maintaining that balance, you know, so any of those core building activities as well. And especially since um, in the course of our life cycle, we naturally lose muscle mass. And so it helps us to just keep maintaining and building that muscle and making sure that, you know, we're protecting our our bones and our bone density um, from deteriorating. Yep. Yeah. Because the, the body is so good at adaptation but mm-hmm. it goes both ways and so if you challenge it it will adapt to meet the demands that you place on it but right. the opposite is also true so if you're sedentary you're kind of sitting around you're not doing much that's what the body is going to adapt itself to so 
Yeah. 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 I love it. All right. So while I would love, as you know, to speak with you for about 600 years in a row, I unfortunately am going to have to start wrapping up, but I have a couple of follow-up questions. So the first thing is because of all the stuff that we've been talking about, and then hopefully with the pandemic restrictions lifting more and more, and maybe eventually, you know, we're not having to deal with this as we have been in the last six months. What does the future you look like, whether it's personal or professional? Like, what do you see yourself doing in the next X amount of years? Yeah, so in the in the very near future, I'm going to go back to school for my master's in nutrition. Uh, one thing I didn't mention is that upon graduation, about a year later, I applied to a master's program at Columbia for mm-hmm. nursing, which I got into. I did the first trimester. I, I completed a third of the program, and this was at the end of last summer. And um, great program, great people. Um, the dean was fantastic. She she really encouraged me to stay on, but at the end, it just did. It just I, it just wasn't fitting with what I what I wanted, what I sure. expected. And we and we had a conversation about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to pivot back to nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never say never. I might go back into nursing. And and just, and full disclosure, the only re- and we'll and we'll we'll kind of put this in our pocket for a conversation for another day, um, being completely transparent. Um, the reason why I wanted to go into nursing was, I mean, aside from yes, helping people, um, it would be, it it was because it would be the, the credential and the, Mm -hmm. uh, the authority that I could come into the space with the options that would open up to me in terms of accepting insurance for certain things and, and being respected by peers. Right. I'm being very, straightforward that was the reason mm-hmm. why that was the drive for me because mm-hmm. you know because pers- which again this will be a conversation for another day um pursuing the rd track just didn't work out the way i wanted it to so i had right. to kind of cut my losses with that as well because i needed to earn a living um but yeah in the future i'm i'm going to start my my master's program hopefully in january um and in the meantime i will continue um work you know continue coaching both for nutrition and on the physical side of things, and just really building on my business. I'm trying to, my best life is to whittle this down so I'm not working 12 hours a day, maybe working nine hours a day. (laughs) That's what we're working towards. (laughs) We're we're, we're working towards that, you know? Smarter, not harder. Bingo. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I love that. And so um, in my next questions, I, well, actually, what I want to first find out, is there anything that we did not cover Tons. that you want to? I have to... a long list. Of course. I have a long list. You have <laughs> to have you could me fit... on again. <laughs> All right. So that's what we'll do. We'll have a continuation part to it sometime. Yes, we have um, I feel like we had a good chat. We covered a lot of things totally, here. Totally. This was, I feel like this was, I love the questions you asked. It's kind of like my origin story, which I had never really, honestly, yeah. never really thought about that much in such a cohesive way. So this was a lot of fun. And, and that's the thing I find too, like in, in the, especially since I went back to school as an older person, but yeah. even even out of sight of that, like when I work with people, sometimes we don't go far that back to find out about where they're from and what they did and what brought them to who they are now. We just kind all of say right. from this point forward. Um, so I really like learning about all that. And I appreciate you sharing and, you know, giving us so much information about your backstory as well. Oh, so that was my, super fun my, for me too. My pleasure, my pleasure. So if people are interested in finding you, asking you questions, learning more about you, are you a public 
person? I am. I am. I am. Everyone, I'm. I'm on. Um, I'm on Facebook. Feel free to friend me, Miguel. Dot. I mean, Miguel Alomar. And my um, and my social handle on Instagram is Strength Guy and the number one. Okay. Yeah. I'll be putting that in the um, in the episode notes as well. So that'll be hyperlinked if they want to reach out to you. Cool, and then yeah. my last but not least questions, two part question with the pun intended of uh, being <laughs> that it, today is Saturday. It is still the morning. We have a lot of hours ahead of us. What is on your plate today? Both work, whatever it is, personal stuff that you're planning on doing, if you want to share with that. Yeah. And then what are you what's your next meal? What are you eating next? Oh, nice. OK, cool. Yeah. So um, for so today. I'm going, I'm actually taking this course, this research course with the very talented Dr. Ben House. Um, Mm. And I have to, I've already pulled my research papers. So I've whittled it down to like 13 and it's on curcumin. And so what I'm going to do is start my, I'm going to start pooling um, basically infographics for a presentation. So I'm going to work on that a little bit. Um, I have a hard stop at two because for the rest of the afternoon, I've promised my kids I would be available to hang out with them, maybe go take a walk and chill. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be the rest of my Saturday. And my next meal is going to be ground bison with cauliflower and broccoli with some olive oil. Oh, wow. (laughs) Speaking of meat, right? That comes in full circle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, totally. That I, is fantastic. Yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big. I eat. I, I'm an omnivore, though. I, yeah. I eat everything. I have my plant-based meals. I have my mixed meals. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that's something we can talk about in the next in the next conversation yes. about macronutrients yes. and food planning and we all that. We need to nerd out. We need to. We, yeah. only, we didn't even scratch the surface on the cool stuff you and I talk about. Sometimes. I know. So, I was often thinking, would people listen if this was a two and a half hour? program but i'm not sure we'll, no we'll maybe find i don't out. think so i don't think so we got to keep it short yeah, yeah they need a break they need a break yes well miguel thank you again so much for taking time out no, of especially you. on a weekend no, thank, no, no, you. thank you thank you i appreciate you inviting me thank you so much for joining me this week on the dish with dina podcast i am dina d'alessandro registered dietitian, nutritionist, founder, and chief executive life changer at Dish with Dina. And I'm also your host. If you like what you heard, I would be so grateful if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and share this with others who you think might benefit from what we have to offer on these episodes. You can also join my mailing list at dishwithdina.com or email me at info at dishwithdina.com with questions, comments, feedback. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, because everybody eats and we all have a story to share. I hope you tune back in next week when we dish again.